the show If you'd like to hear the puppeteers Play the characters that you cheer So join us as we go, go, go Below the Frame On today's episode of Below the Frame I sit down with Michelle Hickey and Laura McLean Who are our wonderful Sesame Street Wranglers What's a Wrangler? Well, it's a very important job And we would be lost without them Plus, we'll be talking about monitors And why Muppet performers need them so sit way too close to the screen, because it's time to go below the frame. Go, go, go below the frame. Welcome to Below the Frame. It's the podcast for the fans of Sesame Street and the Disney Muppets. And, uh, you know, we talk a lot, and we talk with a lot of Sesame Street and Disney Muppet performers here on Below the Frame. I, I'm, in fact, one of those uh, Muppet performers. My name is Matt Vogel. I'm your host. But... On this episode of Below the Frame, we're not going to talk to a Muppet performer. Oh, no, 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 no. We're going to talk to the Wranglers, and they have a very, very special job and a very, very important role in helping the Muppet performers and the Muppets come to life. So, I'm ready. I can see that you are ready. So, let's go Below the Frame with Michelle Hickey and Lara McLean. As you know, the Muppet performers, we are kind of experts in our craft, but we couldn't do any of what we do without our Wranglers, who are experts as well. And the Puppet Wranglers know pretty much everything there is to know about maintaining the puppets, uh, keeping them fresh and in good working condition. Uh, they know about puppet rigging and puppet fixes and, and arm rods and stitching and, and hot glue and you name it. They know it and they've definitely done it. So I asked two of the best wranglers in the business, Michelle Hickey and Laura McLean, to both work on Sesame Street to s- come in and talk about their world. Hi, Lars and Michelle. Hi, Matt. How are you? Hi, Matt. Hi there. Are you, was that okay? Was that introduction all right? <laughs> Yes, you make me cry. Uh, Well, I mean, seriously, could not do anything that we do without you. You are so integral to our, to what we do. You know that, right? Sometimes we know it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I feel it, but I don't know if you guys know it. (laughs) Right. What I want to know, first of all, before we dig into wrangling stuff, is how each of you found yourself on Sesame Street as a wrangler. Lars, can you tell me first? It's a long story. (laughs) Well, you know, give me the highlights of it. Well, the highlights, okay, the highlights are I was obsessed with the Muppets growing up. Right. And I probably watched way longer than you're supposed to. But also, I think we're a similar age, you and I. So we were born at the perfect time because... You know, Sesame Street started in 1969, and I was born in 1971, so by the time I was watching Sesame Street, it had already gotten to that point where it was, like, perfect gold. Right. Right. And so I was obsessed with that. And then, when we were, like, seven or eight, The Muppet Show came on, mm-hmm. and I was obsessed with it, and I I really love Miss Piggy the best. Oh, you did? And um, and uh, what what drew you to that show, to to The Muppets? What drew you to them? Was it just the... Was it the characters? Was it the... I think it's the humor. Right. I really do think it's the humor. And I personally think that if I didn't have the Muppets growing up, I wouldn't be who I am now. And I think that my sense of humor is very Mm Muppet-like. And not that I try to be, but I just think, you know, I think that Ernie and uh, Cookie Monster and Grover and then, of course, 
Miss Piggy and Fozzie Bear and Kermit. I just think they had a huge, yeah, <laughs> huge impact because that's what I watched. So, like I said, I watched way longer than you're supposed to, and I kind of realized there was a lot of people that must be having a lot of fun that I couldn't see or things that I couldn't see. Right. And I wanted to get through that television set. And I, you know, still <laughs> like performing a lot. And I think that's probably what I had in mind. But I also knew that there was probably someone who was doing the other hand. Because you could see the, the rods, which I loved, mm -hmm. uh, being able to see the, the rods and, like, trying to figure out those little tricks and thinking there's got to be somebody else down there helping the main puppeteer also, so I thought about that. Hmm. And then looking at Big Bird, I thought, how does he get into the, you know, he, someone's got to be <laughs> helping him. He's not doing it all by himself. But right. I, did, I had no idea. We really, we did not have the Internet. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it was books, or I guess it was, you know, watching the behind-the-scenes um, right. Muppet things like that, but I still really had no clue. So I, did, I studied mostly theater and um, a lot of the times when you do theater, they make you <laughs> yeah. do the other things. Yeah, you got to learn how to paint sets and well, right? you know, build costumes exactly. and things like that. Yeah. So, well, my mom was always a big sewer, and so I and she taught me and my grandma. So that's mm. I, I had that basis, and then um, I did a summer at um, Drew University. They had the New Jersey Shakespeare Festival, and they and they really required you to do all those other different crew things. <laughs> right. So I spent a lot. But of you time were there as an actor. You were there I to, was be, an to be an actor. Yeah, and then they're like, right. also take this paintbrush. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so I would spend a lot of time in in the uh, the costume room, the costume shop, and that's where I got to learn how to do like industrial machine. And I remember asking like the head lady or one of the head ladies. Hey, do you know how to make puppets? Huh. And they were kind of like, mm, what kind? <laughs> so I really didn't get much, didn't get a whole lot of information yeah. there. But uh, you know, I kept pounding at the door. And then um, when I was at Sarah Lawrence College, I overheard someone talking about an internship at the Jim Henson Company in public relations. And mm. I didn't care how I got through the door. So I made sure I got that internship. And then. It was right around that same time that I heard about um, University of Connecticut. Yeah. And so I wrote, I physically wrote Bart Rockaburton a, a letter, mm -hmm. I guess saying that I wanted to be a guest student in the puppetry program. And um, so I found out, I guess that, you know, summer uh, I was, so I had the public relations internship, moved over to the workshop, the Henson workshop for the summer internship, and I went every single day. Mm. And so that... I learned a lot just doing that. And so right after that summer was over, I went directly to University of Connecticut for my guest year, and I took all the puppet classes that you could possibly take. And I even I stayed a full year. I stayed, like, the summer also and helped someone with their puppet thesis. And so blah, 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 blah. I went back to Sarah Lawrence <laughs> College, did puppets on my own, but I had my contact at Henson from when I interned, and... Um, Right when I was about to graduate, Sarah Lawrence, um, Henson wasn't, wasn't hiring. Oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I went to Minneapolis and worked in the uh, V Corp shop, which at the time did the Sesame Street Live characters. Oh. So I worked there three months, and then um, I toured for a year. And then Connie Peterson, mm -hmm. who was my intern supervisor, came out to the tour to 
was her job at the time to look at the costumes and make Checking sure that in. they were good. And so, yeah. and she had been my supervisor when I was interning at the shop that summer. And I said, Connie, <laughs> do you think there's anything for me back in New York? And she said, well, I don't know. And <laughs> <laughs> two weeks later, I got, you know, we didn't have cell phones quite yet then. Right. And so like the, uh, the tour manager said I had a phone call in the office, which never happened. And I'm like, mm. oh, my goodness. And so Connie said, asked me if I wanted to sort big bird feathers for the summer to get, you know, for a small wage. <laughs> and at first I was like, I had talked to some other puppet company. I thought, I don't know. I don't. And then I'm like, I'm an idiot. I have to do it to get back in. Yeah. So I packed up my stuff from Minneapolis and moved back to New York. And I was just, you know, only hired for three months, but I was like, I hope. <laughs> I, and then I how hope, long from you know, there? How long did it take from them? So then Laurent, who was the head wrangler prior to me joining mm-hmm. up, uh, I overheard him because my, my whole thing was don't listen. I could totally listen to earphones while I was sorting big bird feathers, but I didn't. I just listened and mm. listened to what every, everyone was saying. And I, this is why I always do this. I always go, ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> That's how I was the whole summer. And I overheard before I was supposed to hear that Laurent was going to get another job at, at the time CTW was in the art department. Mm. But I couldn't say anything until he made it public. So as soon as he actually kind of announced it, I marched right into Ed Christie's office and I said, hey, I can do that wrangling job. And he said, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, talk to Connie. She knows who I Right. <laughs> and I think it was, you know, I just bowled him over because I was kind of ballsy at the yeah. time. And I'd been really quiet. on on Lars, like, quiet. Right. You know, just doing my job. And so they gave me a two-week trial period because back then they would do the home videos for, like, two weeks instead of, like, two to three days or mm-hmm. one day. And uh, so I was there with Laurent, and he showed me everything. And, and I guess by the end, they said, okay, you pass. Wow. <laughs> and I had the job. And now here you are. And that's it. Yeah. Some years later. Some years later. <laughs> Michelle, Just a few. what about you? What was, your, what was your path to get to Sesame Street? Oh, my goodness. Well, mine was actually very different. Oh. Um, yeah. I mean, I did grow up loving the Muppets. I'm not that much younger. I, I was born in 1976, so oh, I, was yeah, still, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was still part of that um, Muppet generation and Sesame. Um, yeah. I used to watch with my dad, um, and I loved the Muppets, and I loved Sesame Street. And a good friend of mine from childhood reminded me that when I was like 12 years old, I said, I'm going to work on Sesame Street when I'm older, because I think I had this desire to like do something to help kids. And that was my that was my way of going about it. I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to work on Sesame Street. But wow. then I kind of forgot about that, you know, in between like high school, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> between that time and like high school. You get a little busy. You get a little busy. And I actually kind of strayed from that. I was going to, I was actually on the path to being a lawyer for a really long time. Then what? I decided I was going to be I a didn't lawyer. I know yeah. that. Yes. And then Better watch my, what you say. And, and then wow. my junior year in high, in high school, I realized I couldn't live without art in my life. Mm. And I scrambled like a crazy person to put together a portfolio that I could show to art schools. So I took like classes at FIT over the summer. I took a summer program at SVA. I 
like took all the, I took all the art classes in high school that I could take. I really scrambled and I put together a portfolio and I ended up going to School of Visual Arts full time for my bachelor's. Um, <clears throat> and I wanted to not just go into fine arts because I was like, well, I want to have a career, you know, mm-hmm. something. I want to do something. So I channeled all my energy into animation, but I love sculpting. So I went into stop motion animation. As soon as I could switch to that major, that was my major. So I was sculpting a lot. I ended up taking a puppet building course that they offered in the illustration program because I thought it'll help me build better models. It'll like teach me foam fabrication. Hmm. So I took that class with Ellen Rixford, who was a bread and puppet theater puppeteer. Um, and yeah, and I know bread and puppet. That was, I will tell you, that was my hardest class in college. Oh, really? We had so much work, <laughs> but it was great. It was great. And um, a lot of good things came out of that. I got to put in like a window display in Rockefeller Center. Um, the whole class did. Like, we they came to the school and asked for, you know, some sort of display because they had an empty building that mm. Christmas, that like holiday season. Yeah. Um, and then I got an I got an internship with um, Janie Geyser, uh, and um, and I just really liked puppets. I, I was kind of like, it was really interesting to me, and I was enjoying the stop motion and the puppet thing, so I kind of like continued doing that. And then my college roommate was interning at um, Sesame Workshop, CTW at the time, mm-hmm. and she came home and she said, the Henson shop is looking for interns. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And she was like, here, call this guy. And it was Ed Christie. She like gave me Ed Christie's name and number. So I kind of, I feel a little bad because I skipped a step. Like I think you were supposed to apply through the main office and then like, you know, file papers and things like that. But I never did that because I just called Ed directly. Did he say, who are you? (laughs) No, No, they brought me in and... um, he and Mark Zezatek uh, interviewed me, and they hired me for the internship. And so that Sesame season for my internship, it was like I was working at the shop in September. I was sitting with the Sesame folks in the shop. and like, On the fifth floor. On the fifth floor mm-hmm. and at 67th Street. And um, I did like Laura did. <laughs> I listened uh-huh. to everything. Um and uh yeah and I really loved working in the shop because I love sculpting I love making things so I really wanted to work at the shop I wanted to build puppets and they said we're really sorry we don't have a shop job Mm. when I graduated I actually wanted to leave school because I wanted to work on um what was it? Elmo and Grouchland? Elmo and Grouchland. Yeah. Elmo and Grouchland was being shot after that season. And I said, it was like my last year of school. And I said to Mark, I'm going to quit school. And oh. if, you'll get, if you'll let me work on it. And he was like, no. He said, I want you to finish school. He said, get your degree. There'll be a job here after. So when I graduated, I called them. But they didn't have a job at the shop. They oh. only had a wrangling job. Ah. With me. <laughs> With Laura. <laughs> so you just kind of, I mean, you were like, well, it's not really what I want to do, but okay. And I came in and I worked as Laura's assistant mm-hmm. and she trained me. She and Kevin Clash trained mm-hmm. me. Yeah. And I was hooked. I absolutely loved being on set. 
I love working with the puppets. I got, you know, you're when you're on set working with the puppets, you're doing so many things. You know, you're like making props on the fly and you're fixing things on the fly. Yeah. And it's like so much um, constructive thinking and making and doing. I just, and the pace and everything just... I loved it. I loved everything about it. Once you start working, like once we started, I started working at Henson and working on the show in between the shows, we always would like go back to the shop and refurb the puppets, Mm -hmm. which was like intensive. Like sometimes you had to rebuild things and you're sewing and you're learning all the bit different parts of those puppets. And you're learning from these like amazing builders how to do these things on set too. So there's like, there was a lot of on the job training as well. So I just wanted to mention that because it's, you know, through the years you're like really learning all this amazing stuff from all these people well i'm so glad that both of you <laughs> found your way here i mean it's interesting to hear how people find their way to sesame street whether it's you know they intend one thing and something else happens or whether they completely intend to follow this one path and they it's it's fascinating to me the other thing is, is both Michelle and I are freelance, so we've worked on other puppet shows as well, other puppet companies. Yeah. And everybody has a slight way, different things to, way to do things, and you learn tricks from everywhere. And I, I'm always learning yeah. still. You were talking, Michelle, just about, you know, the things that you do get to do as a wrangler. You know, we have these production meetings well in advance of shooting a show, right? And we talk through every beat of the script. And oftentimes there'll be, you know, Grover carries in a tray of uh, ice cream sundaes. Well, we have to discuss then between us, you know, we're there at the production meeting. We discuss how, how's he going to do that? Cause he can't, you know, Grover is a rod armed puppet. He can't really pick anything up. So he has to have a tray and the ice cream sundaes are on it. And we discuss the different options, what we can do, right? We discuss, oh, we'll stick a rod to the bottom of the tray and we'll have a second puppeteer hold that rod or maybe Eric can hold the rod himself if it's light enough and we'll discuss, you know, maybe we'll, we'll stick the hands to the, to the tray. We won't have rods. We'll just take the rods out of the hands. We'll stick them to the tray. But that's all uh, discussed well in advance of, of the day of shooting. And then Sometimes we get to the day of shooting and we're like, okay, well, it's not a tray. He has to carry three ice cream sundaes in his hands. Go. And then you have to kind of scramble. It doesn't matter how much you plan. (laughs) Once you get there, it's sometimes a little bit different just because of everything. You just don't know exactly what you can try. Yeah. You can try and then sometimes it does work. Sometimes it does. But then a lot of times it's just on the fly, like Michelle was saying, you got to fix it and just make it right for the moment. Yeah, and you have to be ready to change your plan. And it's it's the same thing, really, when you're when you're a puppeteer on the floor. I mean, you're you've prepared uh, sometimes in advance, you know, a week in advance, or whenever you get the script, and you're prepared for what it is you want to do, or you're thinking about, oh, here's here's where I think I'll I'll look this way, or I'll move this. Way. However detailed your puppeteer puppeteering and your process may be. But you'll get there on the day, and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're in the steps. You're going to be sitting in the steps. Oh, I thought I was going to be next to everybody. Like, you really have to be ready to change your plan, and it's no different with Wranglers. So let's talk about some puppets in particular on Sesame Street that you guys work with a lot. I kind of think that maybe it, it would be interesting to talk about Big Bird, right? 
and just the mechanics of Big Bird and you know I, this is a show this is a, a show about what happens below the frame or you know right. behind the scenes and I think that you know it's it it bears uh, saying that Big Bird is not just one Big Bird the whole time he has to be put together right. Mm-hmm. Lars, do you want to discuss how you put Big Bird together? Well, let's see. I just want to talk about how many pieces there are of Big Bird first. Right, yeah. Michelle? So yeah. we have the neck, which is the top part of Big Bird. We have the body. Technically, both arms come off, so that's four pieces. Then you have the head. Mm-hmm. It's five pieces. And the legs, that's six pieces. Are there any other pieces? And the tail. And the tail. That's right. So the tail comes off. So usually in the beginning of the season, um, Michelle and I will pack up Big Bird and bring him over to Kaufman. Mm-hmm. And I like working at Kaufman a lot. It's better <laughs> than going on location, which we have to do as well. So yeah. we have to do this every time Big Bird goes anywhere. He goes either if he's local, mm-hmm. right, he goes in yellow, big yellow bags, two big yellow bags for the neck and the body and the arms. Mm-hmm. And then we have another big tote bag for the legs and then a black box for the, for the head. And the right. tail's also in one of those yellow bags. Sorry. I keep forgetting yeah. about the tail. The tail. <laughs> <laughs> so we have to put him, all those pieces, in the truck. And then the truck gets driven over. And then we, we hopefully don't drive the truck. I won't say we've never driven the truck. <laughs> That's true. Sometimes you have to drive the truck. It depends on the project, I suppose. <laughs> Mostly we don't, which is very nice. Yeah. yeah. But we do have to pack and unload the truck. So mm-hmm. we're right there. What do you call that fender thing? You know, yeah, the whole that thing. Process. The little lower, the lift, the right. lift gate. And, hope, yeah. and that, luckily, Kaufman has a very nice, huge um, elevator. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we also carry the big stick, which is basically a big puppet stick uh, for Big Bird, but it it goes down. It's kind of like on a on a hinge, and that mm-hmm. helps us blah, 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 blah. But that's them, how you put them together, right? You put, put them, them together, together on the stick, by on piece the stick, by and piece. That's, and that's yes. very helpful. It's more helpful than when you have to do it on location, say, on a table or a bed or something right. like which, that. Yeah, which, ha- which also <laughs> happens. Michelle, can you tell us how you then put those pieces together? Sure. Um, the thing that I love about Big Bird is that he's such a an amazing design, but it's a very, it's simple in his construction, you know, the mm-hmm. way he goes together. So he's this body, which is a tank top with, you know, boning that makes him the nice, beautiful round shape that he is. And then the um, cone shaped neck that goes on top. And those are just hooked together with um, uh, clips. Mm-hmm. What do you call those clips? Well, they used to be dog clips, but now we do the other Fastex. Yeah. Uh, uh, the Fastex clips. The buckles. Plastic clip. Yeah, like you have on your backpacks, but yellow yes. ones. But that keeps the two pieces together. That keeps the body keeps and the, the neck together. Yes, but it's kind of like a swing tack, so it gives him like nice movement. It moves with the bird body, with everything. So mm-hmm. it's all, you know, it's all got this like lovely motion to it. Um, and then the head is on elastic. There's an elastic ring at the base of the head. And then the top of the neck has a solid ring um, that you slip the elastic over. And then you have to use safety pins to pin the 
two pieces together. Now, why it would really you need to use safety pins? <laughs> what? Um, you know, depending on the puppeteer. Nice. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Just say it. It's fine. Okay. <laughs> depending on the puppeteer, they yeah. tend to pop the head off as they put their hand in. Get excited and move Get excited. the puppeteer. I yeah. back when Carol Spinney was the puppeteer. Yes. All we ever did was put one medium-sized <laughs> pin in the back yeah. just as a safety. Right. And it worked fine yeah, for many, many, yeah. many, many, many years. Yeah. And, and then this saying? other gentleman came in named Matthew Vogel. Yeah. He was very excitable. Uh-huh. Perhaps Look, a bit I strong. I don't know. Maybe that's what it is. I'm just that's very it. strong. That's not right. More, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's it. I, I, and so no, I like to move more, around more in the bird. You're a more aggressive. You're just a little more aggressive with yes. the puppet. Yeah, I'm just learning still. And I was thinking the other day that, you know, I've heard some puppeteers say, and I don't like it when they say this, oh, the puppet doesn't matter. It's just a tool. That is not cool. What, I'm going to okay, say that now. T- tell me why, because, well, because tell me what you, what you thought. Because your puppet of Big Bird, I'm getting angry now like I'm on Howard Street. Jeez, don't throw a chair. <laughs> your your puppet is like a Stradivarius. That's true. It really is. That's true. I don't Any think pu- when people say it's a it's a tool that it's like, you know, it's just like a because, screwdriver or a, you know. All right. You know, Ubi was okay. That was that show where they just put on the balls on your on your hand. Yeah, the eyes. I yeah. tried out for the foot part. I didn't yeah. get it. Uh-huh. But <laughs> it's true. Yeah. But, yeah, I've heard several people say this on in different interviews, and it yeah. really gets me it gets me a little upset because I think that it is a whole thing. Like making that puppet with the puppeteer, it's all part of the process. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I know just from my somewhat puppeteering times is I get so much inspiration from the puppet. The puppet sometimes, and I know I've heard this from other puppeteers, sometimes kind of tells you or right. gives helps to get gives you the voice. That's right. And if you're just using your hand, it's fine. Mm-hmm. But you can only do you can only go so far right. with just your hand. Yeah. I think. Yeah, you're right, Lars. Uh, now hold that thought because it's time for a word from our sponsor. Monitors. They're the eyeballs of the Muppet performer. And that's important. I mean, the puppeteers, they, they have their own actual real eyeballs, mostly. And the puppets, they have eyes, but those don't really see. They're pretend, so. But the puppeteers, they, they need to be able to see. See what you see while you watch at home, on TV, or probably more likely online because streaming. No matter, puppeteers still need monitors. Monitors, they're the wheels of the car. And that's important because wheels help the car get from one place to another. So the wheels are the puppeteers and the monitors, no, 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 the wheels are the monitors. The car is the puppeteer. Yeah, the car is the puppeteer. Get it? Because without the wheels, you're not getting very far in that car. And the same is true for puppeteers. Without monitors, it's not going to get very far. Of course, I'm talking about the kind of puppeteer who works on television or in the movies or streaming online or whatever, I suppose. Muppet performers. Not necessarily live shows, but it depends because 
monitors. It's how Muppet performers see what they're doing, and it's kind of important. And they can't do their jobs without them. They have to do their jobs with monitors, like how you watch at home, on TV, or online, streaming, whatever. Monitors. 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 That's right. Today's episode of Below the Frame is brought to you by Monitors. I don't know who that guy was uh, in that ad, but it uh, sounded very, very uh, authoritative. <laughs> Excuse me. Yep. Hey, Dad. Uh, come in, Jack. Hi. Hello. Were you just doing your own fake ad? Uh, yeah. I mean, that was me, yes. Talking about monitors? Yeah, Jack. Uh, it's very important, monitors are, in our job as Muppet performers. You know, uh, Jim Henson, he kind of revolutionized television puppetry when he noticed uh, how the television frame at home was the same shape as a puppet stage with a playboard. And so he thought, you know, let's let's remove that puppet stage and move the camera in and make the television frame into the puppet stage. And it's still how we work today. We train, and it takes a long time to learn training. We we train to work with a monitor, but it's it's just the way that it's always been done. And you know, it it really is an essential part of our job, of what we need to do our job. And of course, we need lights and cameras and a puppet and and maybe a script and microphones and and wranglers and directors and producers and and all of that stuff. But we have to have a monitor. The performers have to have a monitor. And Muppet performers, we're not just wiggling the puppet. You know, there's a lot of skill involved. We help we help compose the frame. We help balance it out and we see the shot and work to the shot and make it look great. And so uh, for those of you who want to get into this kind of puppetry, you've got to learn how to do it on a monitor. Get good on a monitor. So, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of resources out there. I, would, I think one of the th- first things I saw maybe was uh, of Muppets and Men. It's the making of the Muppet Show. And you see Jim and Frank working on a monitor. And that it just kind of opens your eyes to, oh, this, oh, this is how they do it. They don't just look up and see the puppet there. And, um, and I, I, you know, I, I wish you good luck. It is, it is hard work, but it is also fun work when you get, when you get it, when it clicks for you. So, uh, I'd, I'd like to thank monitors for being a, a sponsor of below the frame. Still, maybe you could have gotten someone else to read that ad. Oh, I mean, oh I, we hear a lot of you in the podcast. You're all over it. Wait, wait, wait. You said we. Jack, do you, do you listen to the podcast? What? I, I'm wondering if you listen to the podcast. Oh, you know, I, I think mom's calling me. I gotta go. Yeah. Bye, Jack. So we are talking with Laura McLean and Michelle Hickey and talking about their job as Wranglers. So let's, we'll jump back to Big Bird now. You put all these pieces together, including the tail. Right, right? which is on a bolt. Mm -hmm. There's a bolt coming out of the back of the tail that you put through a... um, tushy area. It's like a silver fastener with with a hole in it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's surrounded by boning, so it's nice and strong. And then we just use a wing nut to screw onto the bolt to hold it in place. So it comes off very quickly, just in case Big Bird needs to get too close to a wall yeah. or. And we'll sit sometimes down we'll or... just we'll say, can we take the tail off? We need to remove mm-hmm. the tail because I got, I do. Yeah, I have to get very close to a wall or in a very tight location or. Maybe we're moving around and I'm flat to camera, and uh, we need to get other puppeteers behind me, or some some mm-hmm. some reason. There's some always some reason to remove the tail. Sometimes, in- if you're sitting down, I mean, yeah. if you're sitting on a 
Well, a stool you can leave it on. But if you happen to unfortunately sit on something with a back, which mm-hmm. we try not to do, right? Yeah. Um, then you would say, please take the tail off. A fun little um, thing is that when he's in his nest, he always has his tail off. That's yeah. like fun for people that probably would not know that. Yes. <laughs> can't, he won't really fit in there. He can't fit in there with, with the tail no. in there. And it would get really squashed yeah. and bashed up, and you wouldn't be able to move around as easily. And those feathers, those beautiful, they're, they're ostrich feathers, aren't they? Is that yes, what they are? And there's some other are... feathers on the... I mean, it's not just these ostrich feathers. Aren't there other little feathers that are kind the of... coke feathers. There's a couple yeah. coke feathers on the tail. On the tail. As well and as on... we put on the top of the head. That's yeah. those feathers that are flying up high, those so little teeny feathers. people always want to know how many feathers are on Big Bird. It's, what do you say? I say it's something like 4,000 feathers. Oh, it's more than that. So they actually, somebody just asked the shop this, and I think the number was somewhere in between 5,000 and 6,000. It was like, it was like 5,500 and something. They counted the last oh bird gosh. they made. And they are turkey feathers. Those are the, tr- the main feathers. feathers are the turkey feathers. And they're all dyed ahead of time, or do they get dyed when they come to the Jim Henson Company? Or a little of both? Well, I want to take this one because I've been around okay. recently. All right. <laughs> it used to be that they were dyed in China. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, I guess the quality of the dyeing has not been up to snuff. Mm. Ha ha ha, not nah, snuffies. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, sorry. So another point before I answer the whole question is that there's a two part dyeing process, right, Michelle? So there's like mm-hmm. the more orangey part is on like the stem. Yeah. And then the yellow part is on the tip. And that's to give it more depth of color. So if it was just yellow, you w- it would look a little more boring. It's mm-hmm. nice to have that under color kind of coming through, but you're not noticing it. Kind of like when you're painting. I'm not an artist like Michelle, but she yeah. could explain that better. Anyway, <laughs> so of late, yeah. they've been dyeing them in-house. Oh, my gosh. Which we I never did. That. Yes! Wow. Wow, I, I had like no idea. I drank another coffee, so I'm <laughs> oh my sorry. Gosh. <laughs> so, okay, so that's good. But there are something like 5,000, between five and 6,000 feathers on that puppet. Now, Michelle, when yeah. Big Bird is then, you have him on his stick and he's kind of laying horizontal and you, and you prop him up uh, vertically and he's got his two arms there, his two wings. A question that I get asked a lot is, uh, how, how do his arms move? How does that other arm move? Because I try to explain to them, you know, I've got my hand inside the head, and that's moving the mouth, and my left hand is inside the left wing, and that's how I move his hand. Now, the question then is, how do you move the right hand, Michelle? I love this question. I love this question because I get asked this by adults on yeah. set all the time, and I love that it's such a simple, it's, the sim- it's a very simple pulley system, but it fools everybody. And yeah. it's so wonderful that that is still the case. So he has a hand stuffer in his left hand. Mm-hmm. Um, What's a hand stuffer, if somebody doesn't know what that is? It's in his right hand. Yeah, but what is that? What is a hand oh. stuffer? <laughs> <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> beep, beep, beep. This is radio. Nobody will know. <laughs> so there's a um, hand stuffer, but what is that? Okay, if somebody so doesn't know big, what a hand stuffer is. I mean, a hand you can stuffer figure it out, is, but. yeah, a hand stuffer is for a live hand puppet 
um, when they can't have a right hand mm-hmm. inside of right human hand inside, right. we make something that goes into that hand that gives it some shape and some form. So it'll be like foam with a little bit of armature wire in it. Big Birds is different. Big Birds is like a harder foam that has, it does have wire in it, um, but it's the harder foam so that we can pin through it really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it keeps that Big Bird hand shape. Um, and the wires are in it, so if you wanted to bend it to you know make him point or make him hold something, you could bend those wires in his uh, in on that uh, hand stuffer and inside the uh, the the hand, and then you can make him hold something if you wanted to. Right, and also if you just put a flat hand stuffer in yeah. with no bend to it, it wouldn't look very real. And this brings me to something that I love about puppets. I know there are so many people who say I love when I see the rods on puppets because it really like it shows me what is being done down below, and I understand that. Mm-hmm. But my whole mission in my career yeah. is really to make those puppets come to life so that those things are hidden. Yeah. So, like, when you're putting a hand stuffer in, I don't want that hand to look just like a solid dead hand hanging off of a puppet. Right. I, like, I'm trying to bend those fingers in a perfect way, make the arm look proper, natural. make the elbow look yeah. natural, make the elbow look natural. Um, but anyway, back to Big Bird. Yeah. Uh, his pulley system... We put a pin with a monofill in the hand stuffer, which is in his right hand. Um, and the monofill goes up to the base of his beak. Um, it's right under his chin. There's a little loop, and the monofill goes through the loop down to his left live hand, where that gets pinned to the fleece mm-hmm. of the hand. And then when the puppeteer Mr. Matt Vogel moves mm-hmm. his left hand. The right hand moves, just gets pulled on that little pulley yeah, system. In the opposite direction. In the opposite I pu- direction. push my left hand down, the right hand goes up, and vice versa. And that's really that cool. The, it's a great the, effect. The hand stuffer kind of also acts as a, as a counterweight, probably. I bet it because does. Because if, it wasn't, if yes. it wasn't there, if you just pinned it to the open hand, it probably would... Uh, yeah. You know, it kind of I gives it right. a little more, more weight, so that also helps it look... Mine were natural. That's right. And so nowadays, though, a lot of times what we'll do, first of all, sometimes if you in, on HD, you can see the monofill a lot of times. It's just kind of one of the things, you know, you just, the light hits it and it's, you know, HD is so, shows you everything. So you can sometimes see that little monofill there. But on other times we will remove that monofill and we'll remove that hand stuffer and another puppeteer will come in and we'll... It's like sneak in behind you. Mm-hmm, and they will assist Big Bird. They'll put their hand in um, the, the same way that you do with uh, Cookie Monster or Telly or, uh, you know, the Count. There's, you know, yeah. then you have, we have the ability to have Big Bird have two hands uh, that can pick something up or hold something. And, and you, I like doing that. as Big Bird, have been doing that much more. Yeah, I like to do it. I think it's fun to add that little... Extra layer. I, I remember recently you said, Hey Lars, I want to hold uh, radar mm-hmm. in my right hand, take out the wire and just pin it in there. And so, what you do is that you just pin radar first to the body. Mm-hmm. So, that's you don't have to worry about the actual hand holding it. So that takes the weight. Yeah. And then you take the armature hand and you put it, try to get it on there so it's looking natural. And then you put you know, if that wire's not going to hold it by itself or you're worried that you're going to do a lot of movement and it might let go, then you're going to put in some, we call them nails. Those are the um, larger pins that we like to use. 
Yeah, they're like heavy like, duty pins. They're yeah, not. They're, they're not. You know, they're just, bank bank pins bank are the pins. real names Ooh. for yeah. them, but we don't call them that. Mm. We call them nails. <laughs> so, so that works out too. So you don't even you can take that the monofill out even without the assist. Yeah. If you're going to do something like that, where your your hands can, your your right hand is going to hold the prop without anybody's assistance, just pins and magic. I have another fun little ditty about Matt Vogel as puppeteer. Oh, God. <laughs> you can choose to cut this out if you want. <laughs> That's but right. When, when before, um, Matt Carroll's bird always had a much thinner monofill on because he didn't break his monofill as much as yes. Mr. Matt Vogel. Yeah, but does. he he was a professional. <laughs> I am just. I a just hack. think you're, you're very strong. Yeah, <laughs> and, That's what it is. And rambunctious. Yeah. I don't know. I like to move the puppet around, and yeah. especially if Big Bird gets excited, I tend to get excited. I'm sure that Carol popped a, a popped a monofill in, in his day as well. He oh, did. Yes. Believe you me. Oh yeah. I used, <laughs> Good. I used oh, thank to you. Go. And if he didn't, just tell him, tell me that anyway. Live events better. with monofills pinned all over my shirt to uh, make sure I had just, just one in case. just in case. <laughs> that was a really good overview, I think, of Big Bird and. Uh, but I think there are other other characters we can talk about, or other puppetry things and puppet things that you guys deal with a lot. Maybe we talk about just in general, uh, Michelle. Tell me about hand stuffers. Okay. Why do you need them, and why don't you just have a right hand there? Oh, well, that's kind of so. That's actually more of a puppeteer captain question. But right, it but pretend happens, I'm not here. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but it happens, you know, where there maybe aren't enough puppeteers for the scene because we're using, a, we have a huge group scene and there's live hand puppets in there that need, you know, some, their right hand stuffed because we're down some puppeteers. But right. then there's also um, times when like those big crowd scenes are very tight and you can't actually get a right hand puppeteer in there. Mm-hmm. Um, or they're moving a lot. The puppet has to move from like one side of the studio to the other. So there's like a lot of movement happening and maybe it's easier to do it as a single puppeteer. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll choose to stuff their hands at that point. And a lot of times that happens at the last minute. So that's the challenging part because yeah. that's like sometimes you're, the puppeteer realizes, oh, I have to go through this little bit of the scene by myself because I just can't, we can't get that other puppeteer out of the shot or whatever. So then it's like, yeah, this is like, you know, oftentimes we're ready to roll and mm-hmm. we're like, okay, we're going to roll now. And then somebody goes, uh, workshop, I need yeah. some help. I got to stop yes. this hand. Right. So the puppet that I dislike the most when that happens with is Ernie. Oh. <laughs> Not that I dislike Ernie. Right. I dislike that I have to stuff his hand quickly because his sweater is fidgety. And, yeah. a, and, and his, <laughs> it's handmade. Yeah. Yes. And if you put too many pins in there or the wrong kind of pins and you snag it. Oh, that's bad for the sweater. Fired. And also, Ernie has very long <laughs> arms. He does. So when you stuff his hand, it's Fun very... fact, they've been shortened. Yeah. They have, but they're, they're, still, still long. they're still long. They're still long. So th- they're great for puppeteering, you know, when there's two puppeteers in there, you know, and they're gesturing, it looks wonderful. But when you're trying to stuff that hand and get that elbow to look natural, it takes some doing, you know, because there's a long length of forearm that you have to kind of stuff perfectly with this. And you're stuffing the puppet sleeve inside the sweater inside and then usually like a little bit of fiber fill to try and like 
round it out a little. But that's a lot of material that you're trying to do in like, you know, two minutes time. Michelle and I were really smart recently because there was a scene with Ernie and there was two Ernies because they were doing a trick. Mm -hmm. And Peter Linz couldn't decide whether or not he wanted Ernie stuffed or not. And so I, I said, Michelle... I'm going to stuff that other Ernie while he's using that Ernie. Yeah. And so when he changed his mind, I said, fine, here it is. Yeah. yeah. It's so but that, done. you can't do that with every puppet because, I mean, no. sometimes we do have doubles of characters, but we don't have doubles of everybody that, that no. would need a right hand. No, but that's an instant where it just... At work it just worked of out. The, of, the, of the Wrangler because yeah. we just know how these guys are. Yeah. It also doesn't work out all the time because sometimes we're putting, like, especially if Ernie is the character in the show of the day, mm-hmm. he might have different costumes if that he he's had already one dressed costume, in. That wouldn't have worked. Yeah. Right. So, so if they had that to t- happens. change him into his pajamas, then the second Ernie has to have pajamas on and right. you can't no, do it. Then, then I wouldn't be able to have done that. We were very lucky. <laughs> Lars, not every puppet needs or can use a hand stuffer because the, one that get the, the ones that get the hand stuffers are the live hand puppets. Right. Just name as many live hand puppets as you can, and then also tell me some instances where maybe you wouldn't stuff a right hand. Okay, well, Oscar the Grouch um, and Cookie Monster tend to look better unstuffed. Why do you think that is? Because they're bag puppets, and they have less structure. So if you add a structure to a bag puppet, then it looks odd. Right. The heaviness of the hand stuffer and the pins kind of collapse the body in the center instead of letting it just naturally flow yeah. where it's right. supposed you almost, to. It just disappears. Mm-hmm. But then there are certain people that just aren't wranglers all the time. They're at the shop. They might not understand that. Right. But us as wranglers and listening to puppeteers and watching the monitor, we can see what the puppeteers yeah. mean. Well, that's another important thing. Then we'll go back to different characters that would need right hands. Uh, Right. Uh, right I didn't answer. get to do my huge. I know you didn't, but you said you're wa- <laughs> the monitor. You're always watching the monitor always. during every take. The wranglers are watching the monitor. They are making sure they're like acting as a kind of a, a, a fail safe in case you know my head gets in the shot or uh, a pin. You can see a pin outside of you know Elmo on his neck or something, or or something just doesn't look right. Or there's a giant piece of fluff on a puppet. A lot of times the puppeteers don't notice that. Uh, because they're doing 17 other things. Especially important, you know, basically since 2006, it's been high definition. Yeah, so you need a second and or that third was the set day of eyes. That we had to be better wranglers. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> every the shot, day. it's every shot you are watching and making Because sure. you just can't even necessarily see it by the naked eye. If, you're, if I'm just right. like sitting on the st- silence lines, oh, I'm having a good time just watching <laughs> my eye to that, it's, I don't know what the camera's. Seeing, I don't know which camera they're taking, so it could be on an angle where I'm not seeing that fuzz or whatever is wrong. Mm-hmm. So, you know, one of us needs to always looking at the monitor. And we're lucky on Sesame Street because we have a very nice monitor at our setup. But sometimes, if we're doing something remotely, you know, all these guys who are crew members they know how everything's done. Yeah, <laughs> why would you need a monitor, young lady? Right. Well, well, they just sometimes don't understand. But yeah. most of the time, we can, we can convince get them. them. And, you know, lots of times it's good because we have had meetings in advance and tell them our needs. But sometimes we don't have that luxury or if we're working for a different outfit. It's also nice to get to know the um, DIT 
who's in the tent looking yeah. at a very bright monitor yeah. because then they'll say to you, oh, I see a fuzz on, you yep. know, Elmo's eye. And you're, you know, some. I, I have to admit, I think I need to go get my eyes checked because, <laughs> like, this past season, uh, Tom in the booth would be like, I see a fuzz. Or, or Jimmy, Jim Eagle say, Michelle, there's a fuzz in Elmo's eye. And I'm like, I can see a fuzz. And then I look at the monitor again and I have to look oh. really close. And I'm like, oh, God, there it is. Damn, he was right. You know, he was right. I missed it. Ugh. Lars, tell me some characters that need live hands and that need hand stuffers. Two-headed. Well, see, now I'm going to my two-headed monster's a live hand, but he's kind of a bag, so. Yeah, so but we always be... give him a, we would never put a hand stuffer in him, would we? I mean, no, we'd always but, give him somebody. No, but if for some reason you'd let it hang, if yeah. he's a complex puppet. He because is. you have to figure out who's going to be the left hand yep. and who's going to be the right hand, and I guess I'm. It's Eric and David? It's Eric and David, and it's usually... And so David is in the... I don't know which one. He's uh, you know the camera right head, and Eric is in the camera left head. And so... I think that's right. And so uh, somebody is always... Has to be the right hand. Because, you know, so I, I think Jerry used person. to puppeteer with his left hand. That's why I'm, I'm saying that Jerry used well, to puppeteer with his uh, left hand, and yeah. he had his right hand in the yeah. right hand. But, um, but I don't think Eric does that, and so we usually do give them... Right. Uh, a right hand. It probably adds to the character uh, in some way that Jerry did that, you know, just with the zaniness of it. I think yeah. you should suggest that to Eric. Maybe that he's in, You know, he should, he should look he into should that. He should do it. Because it kind of brings me a point that's not answering your question at all. Is just that Eric, since Eric's been doing um, Grover, yeah. we used to have armature in his rotted hand. That's right. Right. He used to have sti- like stiff fingers. Right. So, and it was great for us because anytime you had to have a prop or anything, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> but, but a few years ago, he decided, oh, hey, if you look at those old uh, Sesame Streets, mm-hmm. Grover's hands are really floppy, 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 floppy. Can we do that? And I think we hemmed and hawed, and eventually we took them out yeah. for almost all of the. Grover puppets. There is a, a secret armature in, in one of them that Michelle threw it's in there. It's just it's just in his thumb uh-huh. because when we did the Get That Wand special, he needed to hold a churro, and Cookie Monster had to pull it out of his hand. Uh, yeah. And so I suggested to Eric that we armature the thumb as well. And I'm trying to think of. Uh, I know Annie Mc- Annie Fresh, Annie McKilligan actually did the armature and it's so great. Oh. She like stitched it in completely so it's like in there really well, doesn't interfere with the you rod still at all. Have the f- and you still get the floppy. And you still, and you still get the floppy in the fingers. So um, we just armatured that thumb so that we could put the churro in between his thumb and forefinger and then he would pull pull the yeah so um we've kept that guy yeah there's only there's well there's three grovers that we use as as hand puppets so we can keep that one and why do we need to have different puppets why just not one elmo or one well it's 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 extremely excellent to have it just uh mostly because of costume changes and especially grover Mm -hmm. he will quickly uh almost jump cut and have another costume so he would run off screen and then run back on with another costume and we can have it prepped in advance so the crew's not waiting around on us because that would be a drag. Yeah, I mean, we shoot this show so fast. We are lightning quick because we shoot, uh, a street story is about 13 or 14 pages depending on the show and we shoot all of those pages in one day, 99% of the time. And most shows, I would say, shoot maybe a page, if that, a day. Depends on what it is. 
it's it's very it's a very fast paced environment that we work under, and so we do have to have yeah. wranglers who are on. It's the a ball. lot of pressure. It can yeah. be a lot of pressure. I'll bet. When I get there in the morning, I rarely, unless I get there extremely early, I rarely stop for breakfast. Mm-hmm. As Michelle knows, I go right downstairs because well, the doors open at eight, but that doesn't mean we can't go to our secret room and get the stuff ready to put in the on the cart to bring up the elevator to get to set. So I like to have as many seconds as possible before uh, we start shooting. And the thing is, is it used to be, oh, we start shooting at nine, but right. then they keep creeping it up and up and up. And you know, some some directors take a little more time in the morning, like, and it's not as harsh. But then there's sometimes people they they really want to just start seeing things at eight thirty. Yeah. And so that's not a really long time to get ready in the morning. Not to get a whole day's show's worth of Muppets and props so and I'll, things. Because yeah. you guys will second. handle not only the puppets, Michelle, but you guys will handle the puppet props, the Muppet yes. props in particular. So making props for puppets takes some doing because everything has to be light. You know, you can't just give a puppet a bowling ball and expect them to carry it around. You know, yeah. dangerous for the puppeteer, dangerous yeah. for the people around them. Um, so we have the Henson shop making all the props for the puppets. So they're making that bowling ball out of a nice carved piece of foam with a lovely painted facade that we can then put a rod into or, um, you know, or just pin the puppet hands to. It's just nice and light so that they can use it. I mean, that's really the reason is that everything needs to be specially made for the puppets so that they can carry it. Also, a lot of things have to be scaled down Mm -hmm. size-wise. All food has to be fake because, you know, we don't want puppets touching, you know, we don't want them to get dirty and greasy or anything like that. The general rule, I think, is like anything a puppet touches, that's going to be a prop that the Jim Henson Company is going to handle. Right. Yes. Unless there's some That's some reason why there would be a collaboration between our prop department and uh, Jim Henson Company, right? Right, right. And a lot of times we collaborate with the graphics department mm-hmm. because they're making like a lot of the pictures and things and books. And, you know, we had uh, come up with this really lovely um, book for something um, with one of our graphics, with our graphics department, because books are hard because if you just print them out on paper and then you're taping hands to them and pinning them and you need, if you need it multiple times, a lot of times when you remove the hands from the book, you rip the cover or whatever. So um, they actually printed the cover on fabric uh, of the book. Oh. And then put a little foam behind it so we had something to, like, stitch into. Because I think it was Abby. And Abby has little tiny hands and, you know, they don't really bend around anything. So we needed to really stitch and pin her hands to that book. But we needed the book through the entire show. The entire – it was a special, I think. So we – so they did this, like, lovely fabric book. But it was a collaboration between the Jim Henson Company and the graphics department coming up with that idea. Sometimes Keith, who does props, will say, oh, well, I have that. You can have that. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, we just we try to be nice and cooperate. Yeah. I mean, we, I <laughs> think and that, modify it. Yeah. If we need to modify something, we'll, we'll uh, somebody will do that. At but the if shop. it's like a live hand and he's got like the perfect ball and it doesn't need to be adjusted, then that's right. fine. Oh, uh, sorry, guys. Uh, well, I'm, I'm told that it is time for another word from our sponsor. Monitors. They're the saxophone of the jazz guy. And that's important, because jazz guy can't play jazz without saxophone. Ooh, or a trumpet, or a bass. Oh, there's a lot of jazz instruments. Maybe I should have said that. 
instead of saxophone. Anyway, Muppet performers need monitors. They, they have to see what the puppet's doing, and just looking up at the puppet's not going to cut it, because I mean, that's not how you watching see the puppet. You you see it on a television screen or, or a tablet screen or, or a phone screen, which is really silly because it's so small, isn't it? I mean, how can you even see it? Monitors. They're the fielder's glove in baseball. And that's a... Nope, that's not going to... Analogy's probably more like a puppet and not a monitor because you wear a puppet on your hand just like a glove, so we're going to just... Oh, monitors. Monitors. They're the jump rope of people who jump rope. And that's important because, you know, without a jump rope, you can't jump rope. It's kind of in the name. Like the monitors, puppeteers need to do their job, only it's not... Not really in the name. <clears throat> monitors. It's how Muppet performers see what they're doing, and it's kind of important. They just they can't do their job without a monitor. Oh, and this is also important. It's not a mirror image. It's just not. No, no, no. <laughs> That's not going to cut it. It's ridiculous. A mirror image. <clears throat> so, you know, if you're practicing on your computer camera, it might be a mirror image and not how the Muppet performers do it. So you should maybe I don't check. Make sure. You know, put some, uh, put some words in front of it or something, and if they're backwards, then that's a mirror. Uh, unless you show the camera words that are already backwards, in which case they'd look correct. You know what I'm saying? A mirror. You know, it's, it's just not how it's done. It's done with monitors. Like how you watch at home, on TV, or online streaming. We've been over this before. Whatever. Monitors. Monitors. Monitors? So, uh... Maybe that gets the point across. I mean, it's true. We, we don't work with a mirror image. So on the monitor, left is right, and right is left. Uh, up is still up, and, and down is, is still down. But it, it's all crazy. It's insane. Uh, you know, I mean, we could flip the image on a monitor, and then they'd all be mirror images, but it, it just wouldn't be, it wouldn't work as well. Especially on a show like Sesame Street, where we see the words and numbers on screen sometimes, it'd be backwards. Um, on our monitors on set. And, and, and there's something about seeing the image exactly or as close to how it's going to be seen at home. And at the end of the day, it's, it's how Jim Henson did it. So, uh, and, and a mirror, you know, it can be good, just a mirror can be good to practice with for other things like, you know, watching and focusing on lip sync or walking and things like that. But, you know, to really get this down, you really need to use a monitor. And uh, the guy in the ad is right. When you're working at home on your computer camera or even on your phone, a lot of times it's a mirror image, um, especially on selfie mode. So if you have uh, a camera uh, on your computer or on your phone, make sure that it's not showing you a mirror image. And there, there are apps out there that you can use. Uh, and, uh, and again, good luck. Once again, I just want to thank Monitors for being a sponsor of Below the Frame. Hey, Dad. Oh, Jack. Oh, I didn't, uh, I didn't see you. Of course you didn't see me. This is a podcast. It's not a visual medium. <laughs> right. Um, did you want something? Well, since you decided to do two fake ads, I thought I should be here for both. The people listening would expect it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I- is that it? Oh, yeah. I'm done. You should play a bumper or something. We are back with Michelle Hickey and Laura McLean, and we're talking arm rods and live hands. Speaking of live hand, there's the live hand puppets that we've kind of talked about, and I still didn't get you to give your list, Lars. So why don't you give your list now, and I will not interrupt you. Just don't sidetrack yourself and just say the names of the live well, hands. I and think the, of something good. Uh, yeah, I know, of course. That's why we keep coming. That right. we keep going away from it. The Count. 
Louie. See, Louie's kind of an in-between bag puppet. But he has some shape to him, doesn't he? Has he has a shape, uh, a solid body. Freddy. Harry Monster's kind of a bag puppet. Grungetta's kind of a bag puppet. Right. Telly Monster. Those, these all apply to the, uh, to the um, the Oscar rule. Just let it hang? Pretty much. Pretty much. I mean, I don't know. Say if Telly had a tuxedo on. Right. You know, if he's got a costume and it makes sense that, you know, that kind of gives him some more bulk, then you'll put in a, a stuffer, perhaps. Same thing yeah. with Cookie Monster. Yeah. Put a tuxedo on a Cookie Monster, you got to stuff that hand. You got to stuff right. the hand. Because <laughs> he's not, he's no longer just the bag of fur. He's got the right. bulk of the costume. Got any more? Um, Rosita. Oh, Rosita. Now, yeah, she's an she's, interesting monster because she has subs, sub sleeves. So right. Yes. You'd stuff her, because right? Because of the sub sleeves, you'd stuff her, yeah. Because she's a faux bag puppet. And here's a fun fact. Oh. Baby Bear used to oh. be a bag. That's right. No longer a bag. Yeah. What did Lars prefer? The bag. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you prefer the bag? Because I don't like anything to change. Oh, but also, okay. bag puppets, I think, are better. <laughs> All right. <fair laughs> because you never, you never see the sub-sleeves. All right. Never, ever. Okay, Michelle. Wait, I have a yes. fun fact, too. I thought <laughs> your ahead. fun fact was going to be about Rosita's wings. Oh, I okay, know. you tell the Rosita Yeah, I did, too, but go ahead. So Rosita used to have wings. Right. And they were lovely, and they made life so easy for everyone involved. They did. They would you help hide stuff, Carmen's head. Hide Carmen's or head. Or other puppeteers behind uh, Rosita, I mean, whatever it would they be. Were, they were great. It was almost like she was a bag puppet, yep. but had a beautiful shape and then these lovely wings. Mm-hmm. And then one day they disappeared and nobody knew why. Yeah. And now she has arms. Carmen and I decided that it's when you are a monster of a certain age... You're, you shed you drop, them? You drop your wings, I guess. <laughs> I but know. her grandma still has them. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, you, maybe they come back to you. Maybe they come <laughs> yes, back. Yes, that does. So, so yeah, Benjamin your, Button. Your, your yeah. story doesn't work. It doesn't work out. <laughs> but I have a story. Yes, tell me. <laughs> okay. I don't know if Michelle was around yet or not. Maybe. So Carmen, with the wings, mm-hmm. would Velcro right. the wing to her headband. And the headband is used for the microphone. Right. Right. So we had to have the Velcro on the headband as well as the wing, and that's how she would do it, and that was normal. I don't know what happened if the, uh, the headband got lost or she didn't like it anymore. She wanted a, a fresh one or something like that. So this is years and years and years ago. So I said, oh, don't worry, Carmen. I have a sewing machine at home. I'll sew the Velcro on tonight, and I'll have it ready for you tomorrow. Well, I got home. I started sewing on the Velcro on my machine, and the needle broke. That was my last needle. Oh, no. And it was 9 o'clock at night, and I'm like, I'm in New York City. Where can I get a sewing needle? (laughs) So at the time, in Union Square, there was a Bradley's. Okay. And I knew they they sold sewing machines, Uh right? So I went down to Bradley's, and I see all the sewing machines, but they don't sell the needles. (laughs) So what did I do? Uh, you stole it. Oh no. I stole a needle from the display, you and did? I took it home, and I finished the sewing on the Velcro onto Carmen's headband. That is true. Oh, my god! I should still be in jail. <laughs> still? <laughs> did they catch you and put you in jail? No, no one noticed. All right. Well, I was very sly. Okay, good. <laughs> Thank goodness, because Carmen would have been very upset had she not had her headband the next day. I don't day. know if I ever told her that story. Right. Not, that, not if Laura went to jail. That's right. 
Uh, Michelle, tell me about arm rods. Some characters need arm rods. Are they difficult? What What's the secret of putting them in the puppet? Okay, arm rods are difficult in the sense that it is you have to learn how to pin them in where you don't see the pins in the hands. And it locks the rod into the hand in a way that it doesn't twist or wiggle because you want the puppeteers to be able to use those rods so that they can make the hands look as natural as possible and it does exactly what they want it to do. If the rod is wiggling around, they're not getting that, you know, that movement that they want out of it. So it's that's like the first thing you learn as a wrangler <laughs> is how to rod a puppet. Yeah. Um, and it's not easy because you put the rod in. We have a we use the double stick tape, mm-hmm. the Scott the masking, 3M masking tape, and you put it around the rod at the edge of the hand inside. Um, the inside edge, so that it holds the pocket closed. Yeah, there's a little pocket inside the hand, right? Yes, I'm sorry. There's a little pocket. And there's two styles of pockets. Yes, there's two styles. There's a finger pocket that goes into a pointer finger and then goes out um, the base of the hand Mm -hmm. near the wrist. And then there's also like a little flap pocket that is in a lot of the AM hands, the Mm -hmm. any Muppet hands. Like a square. A little square in there. So it's two different types of uh, bend in a rod that you would make to put in those hands. Um, But once you insert your rod either way, either if it's a flap rod or a finger pocket rod, um, you take the hand and then you have to basically weave the pins around the rod to make it very tight, to make it tightly closed. Hmm. So it it doesn't move in there. It doesn't move in there, and so you don't want it to move at all. And if you're moving around with a puppet and you're moving those rods, sometimes they do come loose. The pins start to separate, and it, and you know you, you might pop a rod. Your rod might just fall right out, or it might bend in a weird way. So you guys are well, always adjusting rods, or pulling a rod, or adding a rod, or changing out a rod. Right? Sometimes a puppeteer might request a type of rod we call clappers, Tell which is that. really awesome and cool. So that's like a really long rod that we've taken around a pole once. So it has yeah. kind of like a spring in the middle. So it's it's really one rod acting as two. Mm-hmm. And so if you're having like a big audience scene, you could give every single puppet a clapper rod, right. and then they wouldn't need the assist to make their hands clap. And it goes you, back you and kind forth. of squeeze the two rods squeeze. together, and then there's the hand. They're clapping. It looks like they're clapping. Uh, Michelle, yeah. anything else about arm rods you want to say? Um, just that we try and put them in so that they don't come loose and fall out very yeah, often. Oh, of course. Yes, I hope, of course. I hope that is the case. I mean, yes, as it is. a puppet 100%. is used like throughout the day, of course, those pins can back out and get, but we are always checking them to make sure that you're not seeing them. I, so. I would say that also, if you are a newer wrangler, that that's one of the skills that you really do have to get good at. And yeah. if you're not as proficient at knowing exactly how the needles need to be in there to kind of lock them into place, you know, you could have some trouble. It takes time and practice to it, get it, it does. right. Yeah. And I think that's the most frustrating thing for new wranglers. It's like, you know, a lot of times you have to ask them to continually do it again just because it's the only way to learn how to do it well is to keep doing it until yeah. you don't feel the rod sliding or wiggling or turning in there. Yeah. Once in a while, like if a puppet's... Uh, like the pocket isn't good or it's a really small puppet, we'll sometimes sew them in just temporarily. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, if you're having problems, um, like Ovahita, sometimes we would sew her in just because we kept 
not being able to hide the pin well or the or the pocket was too loose. Right, so, that's another issue with the high definition, um, whereas we used to be able to hide those pins in the the shine maybe of the of the fleece mm-hmm. on a little am like a little pink am nowadays you can see that you can see what it is you yeah. don't just see that it's like a little glint you see like an actual pin there so a lot of times we'll sew those pockets closed i was going to say something about elmo and grouchland okay what are you going to say well, first I had to ask you, because I can't remember the, the name. What were those little guys that were on the uh, rods? Uh, the pesties. Yeah, okay, so the pesties. So they were made just with floppy arms. Right. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> so I was on set, and uh, they said, oh, now you need to rod these arms. Great. Well, they were not made with pockets or any thought of rotting. So I had to suddenly... Get some teeny, 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 teeny arm rods. And somehow, I think what I did is I ended up, because those hands were minute. But so I sewed it on first, like right onto the palm, and then got another piece of the fur and stuck it over that. And then, of course, they were like, oh, well, it would be so much easier with clappers. Yeah. Can you redo them now? (sighs) So, but also you, I mean, you mentioned something there about the rod. The, there's a the gauge, I guess, of the rod is they, yes. they come in different thicknesses. There are some that and are very thin. And it kind of goes with the size of the puppet. The gauge, right. the gauge of the rod is kind of determined. So, if you have a really large puppet, you're going to go for what we call a pig rod, which is named mm-hmm. after Miss Piggy, or just the thickest rod you want, whatever yeah. you want to call and it. And puppeteers then, also have preference of what kind of rod they might like. That's as true. Well. So Ryan usually likes the thicker, he likes the thicker, thicker rods, yeah. rods on Elmo, but recently he's decided, oh, well, maybe the mediums aren't oh, so really? bad. Oh, really? Okay. So, but, he, you know, people <laughs> can change their minds and go back, to for, back and forth yeah. depending on, on what it is. It also depends on what they need it for. So if Elmo had, like, a major action where he had to, like, pick something up in the shot and then move it and then put it down, you know, or do something where those thicker rods might be called for because he really needed to have that, like, really good control over those hands. Because yeah. the thicker rods also, you know, they just control the hands better because, you know, his hands are a little heavy. The medium rods can wobble a little, you know, at the end of a movement. So, but, well, you know, if he's just making gestures with his hands, then maybe it's not so bad. Mm-hmm. But, like, if there's a specific motion that you have to do... You might want as much nice. control as possible. Right. Speaking of Elmo... Yes, He's one of the only puppets that has the key clips on his arms. So we have multiple um, arms for him, including yeah. a pair of live hands. What does the key clip do? What can you do with that if, if you're thinking about, you know, Elmo there? He's got his head, his little nose, his two eyes. He's got his two cute little arms. So what's, what's great about that is, especially if he's got costumes, mm-hmm. and suddenly he decides he wants a different rig or whatever, you can have that rig ready to go on those other set of arms Take this set of arms off and mm-hmm. switch it, swap them out. That's right. It's so very that those, fast. Right. So you could already have like those arms rigged holding a ball or holding whatever. Right. Or put the live hands in, which he likes sometimes, like say if he had to turn a page in a book. Mm-hmm. But he keeps them very, very, very low to the frame. So hopefully you're not seeing these gigantic hands come off of Elmo because that's awkward looking. Yeah, it just looks like he's got these big ham hands. The other nice thing about the key clips is that it allows the costume builders to make costumes for him that are 
you know, don't have to go over his hands, which are right. much larger than his arms. His like arms n- are very thin. Cuff. Yeah. Nice narrow cuff that looks like it belongs on his wrist. Yeah. But um And yeah, so you have so to feed the arm yeah. through we backwards. That. Oh, that sounds yes. like a pain. One time. <laughs> oh, it's great. It's the best. <laughs> I'm sure it's much better than shoving the hand through a cuff that it, it won't fit through. But do you know the character Lola? I believe mm. she's a Spanish monster. Okay. She's kind of a pink peach color. Uh-huh. Well, we were down at, I'm going to get it wrong, but I think it was Telemundo in Miami. Yeah. And they do like a live morning show there, which is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. But they have like a thousand costume changes. And so the Henson shop had given me a jacket that was made for Elmo. Ha-ha. Ah. <laughs> that looked as if it would fit Lola. Okay. However, her arms did not come off. They're about the same size, but her arms did not come off, and her hands are even larger. So I got them on. I got the jacket on, but then it was a quick change off. And I remember saying, Ryan, get over here, and he helped me just... Oh, just... Rip it. Oh. You, gotta, you gotta do what you gotta do with yeah. live television. And yeah. we, we got it Sometimes off, but it was, I was sweating. Fix it. the jacket later. Right. Yeah. I think you it was to. okay. I yeah, think sure. it probably just stretched it out a little bit. Oops. <laughs> okay, Lars, you do something for Cookie Monster. That's right. That is very special. Yes. What What is that thing that you do? I, and other people do this, but I came up with a, a, a recipe. For Cookie Monster's breakaway cookies. Well, isn't it just a chocolate chip cookie? Why, no, Matt. It is not. Because Cookie Monster couldn't get a greasy and chocolatey cookie on him because it would stain him. Right. And we'd have to wash him every single time that he touched one. Right. So what do you do? Greasy and disgusting. So, well, I guess, you know, and this, I've seen this in magazines recently and it gets me again angry. Oh. Because... (laughs) They still report that that we spray paint rice cakes. We don't. Which do I've seen this recently on the internet. It makes me no. angry. I swear. Hmm. But no, we don't do that anymore. Why? Mostly because of high def. And when you're a kid at home watching and you see a cookie break up and you see suddenly see white pieces from a brown cookie, you know that it's fake. So I took it upon myself. We were getting cookies sent up from Florida, which I thought was ridiculous, and they weren't that great anyway, and I said to myself, I'm going to take a weekend on my own at home, I'm going to go to the grocery store, I'm going to buy all these grains and things, I'm going to R&D it myself. So I did that, and I came up with this recipe, and it, and it has evolved a little bit, like sometimes I can do it different ways depending on the kind of cookie, blah, 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 blah. Right. Anyway, it's mostly pancake mix, puffed rice, not rice, not rice Krispies, grape nuts, what? And coffee, and instant coffee for color. But the, in the chocolate chips I'm, are a hot glue, but that, uh, like a brown hot glue, I didn't come up with that. That had already been done. Yeah. But, um, and the other thing about the hot glue is that when it comes out, it's really shiny. Okay. And so we dull it down. We, we usually either spray it, or the, the other trick, if you can't get to a dulling thing, is if you get it right at the right time so it's, not quite too hot for your thumb, and you just kind of go, yep. go over it real quick, it'll also it takes all the shine off of it. Yeah. Oh. You leave a little skin on it. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it's really hot. <laughs> I, did burn my, I, did, oh. I did burn myself. I know this isn't oh, video, no. but you can see it. What'd you do? It's our, that was hot glue, but that wasn't from when I was, it just dripped on me. Ow. Yeah, it bubbled. 
So, Lars, how, in, your, in your lifetime, how many cookies do you think you've made for Cookie Monster? Well, there was that one spring when we were doing all those cookie, <laughs> yeah. cookie spoofs, yeah. including like the, um, the half and half cookies that looked like yin and yangs. I, yep. I made those as well, the breakaway ones. I think I, I made, they made me make thousands that summer. Thousands of cookies? I think so. That's... Maybe about a thousand. That's but crazy. nowadays, like I usually make I them in. Um, I just made only um, two two dozen. I sent them to David at his house so he could yeah. do it. But he could do videos from home. Wow! For a while, I tried to keep the recipe secret, but I did give it over to the Henson Company. <laughs> right. I was going to say, Lars would have to share her secret recipe with yeah. me, and she right. hasn't done that. And so there are other secret. builders that have made. Kate has made them, and Sierra, I think, has made them. But she does her own other amazing stuff that she doesn't need my recipe for. Right. Michelle, you have a, you guys wear tool belts, right? Mm -hmm. What are the things, Michelle, that are in your tool belt belt that you, uh, you can't live without and you need them every day on set because at some point during the day, you're going to need those things. Oh my gosh. I actually love my tool belts and I misplaced it in my house somewhere. I have to find it. I brought it home and I was looking for it the other day because I use that stuff at home too. (laughs) I was like, where's the tool belt? Okay. So in my tool belt, I have um, pliers, scissors, needle nose pliers, scissors, little tiny scissors and curved scissors for like cutting around pupils and things when you have to replace pupils you want to we cut some toupee tape on the back and you want the curve of the scissors to like make that perfect circle let's see i have toupee tape yeah which is you know top stick um it is actual tape that people use to put their toupees on but it works perfectly for the puppets you can use it for props and it peels right off i have usually regular double stick I have, sometimes I keep a razor blade in there wrapped up. Um, I have a white eraser because it takes marks off puppet eyes very Mm -hmm. nicely. A little alcohol wipe, just in case I can't get the marks off the eyes with an eraser, I'll use a little alcohol wipe very gently. I have thread. I have needles. I have lots and lots of pins, Um, big safety pins, bank pins that we call nails, little straight pins, Little safety pins. I'm trying to think. Oh, black Sharpie, also very important. Sometimes a pen or a pencil. Pen or a pencil, but I usually lose those to the puppeteers yep. when they say, oh, <laughs> just well, yeah, that's like a carry <laughs> Can I borrow your pen? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Forever. Forever. What is the, if you had to, if there was one piece of equipment that you had to have, let's say you could only go into onto a set with one item, what would that be? Only one? Yeah, That's only tough. one thing. Like if you, you, you know, you've got, you've got, uh, yeah, just one thing. What is the most useful thing to you to have on set? Well, I think it would have to be, I think I'd have to at least have two things. All right, two things. What are the two things? And then, and Lars, think about what your answer is to. My two things are to pay tape. Okay. And I would probably choose... Oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> Just to reiterate, um, you're you're stuck on a desert island. You have mm-hmm. to make a show with puppets. Do the puppeteers only... <laughs> already have the double stick for their for their monitors? Nope. 
<laughs> well, that's why I say toupee tape, because I can use that for both. But no, but forget about them. Forget about the puppeteers. We can't forget about them. That's part of our job. Uh, ju- it's just for you. Like, what do you need for, t- for you to do your job? You have to do this puppet show on a desert island. And what, what are the two things you need? You've said toupee tape. And linesman pliers. But then I don't have scissors, and I don't know that I could do it without scissors. So I need three things. That's right. You use your teeth. <laughs> well, I was thinking that. I'm like, can I actually use my teeth to cut right. thread? Maybe. Oh, man. Lars, what about you? Well, I'm going to say, because sometimes I don't, you know, I'll usually have my um, pack on me, but sometimes it, like, hurts my neck or something, so mm-hmm. I'll just set it down on the table. So I'll put something in my pocket. This is when it's like a light day or something right. and I'm just running around too much. Or sometimes I don't like wearing my uh, toolkit when I'm uh, handling Big Bird because it kind of gets in the way of the feathers. And I think the right. feathers get roughed from it because I will, you know, drag it across it. So I always have in my back pocket the largest safety pin. Okay. And that comes in handy because sometimes a puppeteer will say, I need, especially if it's a bag puppet, I need to, fo- I need to see better. I need to fold up my bag puppet. Right. And I guess if you had at least one safety pin, you could act like you're helping. Okay. So one <laughs> so you you're choosing one item. Well, that was the first question. Okay, and then right? what but, what if you can have a second item, what would that second item be? Well, I really love Joe's sticky stuff and I know okay. Michelle knows that I love the Joe's sticky stuff and I claim to have even shown it to our prop department. Uh-huh. I learned about it in 2009. Yeah. On a snuggle bear commercial from the oh. props people there, and after that, if you so, so you say Joe's sticky, Joe's sticky stuff, and that's is, great. What is it? What it is kind it? Kind of. Well, it's some people call it um, snot tape. Okay. <laughs> or what's the other thing they sometimes call it, Michelle? Butyl. Butyl, right? Is but it I butyl? looked up butyl the other day. I looked up butyl the other day, and I could yeah. not actually locate it. I was probably spelling it very incorrectly, oh, okay. but I could uh-huh. not. Well, the, I, the the brand name that we buy is the Joe's Sticky Stuff. Okay. And right. um, it's good Fondly for... Fondly known as Sticky Joe. Sticky Joe. Sticky Joe, okay. But what do you do with it? Well, it's great for... It's it's more of a prop thing. It's good f- for me. I think it's best, you know, from a hard surface to a hard surface. But what it does for us is replace hot glue, what we used to use hot glue for. So if you need to put a, pla- a rod on a plate really quickly, yeah. you just you take the plate, turn it over... You stick some sticky Joe on it, and then you just make an L or a flat thing on your rod, jam it on there. <laughs> you don't even need to put a piece of gaff tape on there if you, if you didn't have time and it was strong enough. You're good to go. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. later, say you, I borrowed it from Keith in the prop department and I have to get it back to him. Yep. That sticky Joe comes, even though it's so strong, it comes right off, leaves no residue. It's like a new plate. And if I had done that with hot glue years ago, first of all, you'd have to wait for it to, yeah. to dry. We always keep our hot glue on still. So mm. I wouldn't have to wait for the hot glue to get hot. Just <laughs> yeah. to dry. And then we would always put the tape over it and blah, 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 blah. But then when you would pull it off, it would be pretty much ruined. You could sometimes well, get off some of it. Yeah, I mean, when once you put hot glue and gaff tape together, that is a bond that holds for life. Like you, uh, it's almost impossible to get it apart, and somewhat dangerous. So you guys choose Sticky Joe. Sticky Joe now is great because it's fast, and it and you can move something. Say, oh, the puppet, oh, you put it in the wrong spot. Just no problem. You act over. like you're a genius, and then you just <laughs> <laughs> quickly move it. It's yeah. really great. So that's why I like Sticky Joe. 
But okay. I know some people that sometimes put Sticky Joe on puppet hands, and I find that wrong. No, that's not, not good. Not a thing to do. We I've did seen do, people one, do it maybe one time we did it because we had no other choice. Well, sometimes you have no choice, but I think there's other people and maybe who work at other places that do it more often. And I find that uh-huh. it's kind of wrong because it, it will, you know, it'll louse up the... The fleece and that the would fur. that would stay in there. It's not yeah, like a, I mean, I just, a hard I just don't surface. Think that it's can... good for the maintenance of the puppet in general, but it's great mm-hmm. for hard to hard stuff. Definitely. So, guys, I am so grateful for you guys being our wranglers on Sesame Street because honestly, we could not do our job without you. And uh, if you don't hear it. Enough. I apologize for that, but you guys are the best. Thank you, man. The best. It is really nice to hear, right, Michelle? It is, it is nice to hear. It's, yeah, it's nice to hear. And, and I know that all the puppeteers are grateful for you guys, and hopefully you hear it from them as well. And if you don't, give me their names, and I will shame them. <laughs> well, <laughs> Thank honestly, you guys for talking to me. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. Uh, I tell you, our Wranglers, I love them. They are so talented, and... Uh, Man, they have a hard job and they do such great work. That's Below the Frame. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Our show today was produced by me, Matt Vogel. The theme song was written by Stephanie DeBruzzo and performed by The Mighty Weaklings. Our podcast artwork was created by Dave Holtine at DaveHoltineDesign.com. Thanks to Michelle Hickey and Laura McLean for being a part of this episode and for doing such great work. Oh, and to my son, Jack. And thanks to you guys out there, the fans, for listening. My name is Matt Vogel. We'll see you next time when we go Below the Frame. Bye-bye. Go, go, go. No, no, no.